Good morning, LOH. I want to say that was just an absolutely awesome time of worship that we had this morning. Tell you what, there's nothing like being in the place with God's people where God's presence comes. We're in a series called Excalibur, and today's message is a challenge for us. Seize your sword. It's a series that's focusing on the power of the Word of God, and it's my prayer that the Holy Spirit of God will continue to create a new passion and a new hunger in our heart for God's Word. I want to introduce you one more time to the three McGees. There we are. Uh, This is us. We are members of the (laughs) roundtable. Uh, Devin and I have, we're the oldest of the three, uh, Devin and I have great memories of many sword battles uh, as he grew up and I grew old. And uh, we had some intense sword battles. Um, we had plastic swords and they hurt man when they go across your knuckles. I'll tell you that right now. Um, but I bought, I was thinking through that. You learn, you know, through lessons of your war, you learn uh, to come up with better weapons. So I bought a Nerf sword <laughs> for Graham's first on Father's Day for Devin. And so the legacy of Arthur will continue in our family as my son, being a great storyteller, will have his Graham and my grandson well aware of the story of Excalibur and the sword and the stone, and the rule of Camelot, brother to brother in life and in death. If uh, it's been a long time since you watched uh, The Sword and the Stone, the Disney movie, or uh, First Night with Sean Connery and Richard Gere and all that, if it's been a long time since you uh, uh, read the, the legend, or maybe you never have, Um, Well, let me just give you a real quick synopsis. Um, I follow Abraham Lincoln on Instagram, and he pointed out the other day uh, about a great website uh, where I could get solid information, Wikipedia. And I went there, and she she said, uh, um, some of you will get that later, King... King Arthur was a legendary British leader who, according to medieval histories and romances, led the defense of Britain against Saxon invaders in the late 5th and early 6th centuries. And the details of Arthur's story are mainly composed of folklore and literary invention, and his historical existence is debated and disputed by modern historians. But in the legend of Arthur... He discovers a sword, Excalibur, and has great power, and that sword aids him in fulfilling his destiny and winning battle after battle in his life. Now, I'm not here to talk about myths today, folklore, or legend. I'm here to talk about reality, and that you and I are in a real battle. I want to talk today about our sword. God's living and powerful word and the need to seize it, take hold of it. And the reason is a must for all of us. We must raise up a new generation of spirit-filled, spirit-taught warriors for the king 
and the kingdom of God. Why must we do that? Because, number one, we were born anew to reign, but born into a battle that rages. If you have asked Jesus Christ to forgive your sins and come into your life, the Bible says you are born again. We are born again to reign, live in the power of Christ's victory, but we are also born into a battle that rages. Peter said it this way, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. James said it like this, God was delighted to give us birth by the truth of his infallible word so that we would fulfill his chosen destiny for us and become like a first fruits of a brand new creation. We were born anew to reign, but we are born into a battle that rages. I was so blessed to be raised by a mama and daddy that never took summers off from church. It, how many God moments can you afford to miss with your family? There is a war raging. I wandered far away from God until I was 17 years old. But when I was a young boy, I was taught the scriptures. Memorial Heights Baptist Church, Sonia's mom was one of my Sunday school teachers, along with two others. And so when I came back to the Lord or came to the Lord the first time, uh, I'm not sure which, but the power of the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of my life and drew me out of darkness into his marvelous light. I picked up a Bible that had been given to me in my primary Sunday school class when I was eight years old that sat unopened for nine years in my room. But now that I had the fire of the Holy Spirit in my heart, I picked up this and realized it was Excalibur. And I pulled the sword out of the stone, Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, and came to realize that I had a destiny. But what I wasn't taught then was how intense the spiritual battle would be with the enemy of my soul. Time fails me to go down that road. But the enemy's arrows were launched at me in my childhood, even growing up in a church. We were born anew to reign, but born into a battle that rages, and the enemy is a really formidable foe. But our God has given us a durable and powerful weapon to meet every challenge of the devil. Our weapons are not fleshly, but they are mighty in God to tearing down strongholds, to cast down every imagination and every thought up here that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We have to equip ourselves. We have to equip our sons and daughters for war because we are in one, and it's for keeps, and it's for real. James Knowles, in his work, The Legends of Arthur and His Knights, Talk about a moment when Arthur is warned about 
the tactics of the enemy coming against him. And he says to Arthur, Arise, Lord King, for the enemy is come, even Ambrosius and Uther, upon whose throne thou sittest, and full 20,000 with them. And they have sworn by a great oath, Lord, to slay thee, ere this year be done. And even now they march towards thee as the north wind of winter for bitterness and haste. I call my Bible Excalibur because I'm in a battle and I don't have the power to win it apart from this book, this word. Some Old Testament stories show us a battle that great leaders of God fought in their physical reality. They encountered enemies who sought to hinder them and harm them and harm God's people and thwart their destiny and stop God's purpose. And here's one statement from the great leader and wall builder, Nehemiah, who described the intense battle he faced as the enemies of Israel fought to keep the wall of protection from being built around the city of God. Nehemiah heard the enemy's plan, and it was this. The enemy said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. Before they know it or see us, we will, put, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. The New Testament pulls back the curtain to reveal who animated those real men to kill Nehemiah and stop the work of the wall. They were demon powers. The New Testament reveals to us who our real enemy is reveals to us that we are in a battle of the ages and a battle that rages. Do you know what Satan and his princes are thinking right now? Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to their work. But the good news is, is we have a God who is on the throne, and if you're in Christ, he has positioned you securely, and he promises to watch over you, watch over us. He is a shepherd, and his rod and staff comfort us, but we can't sleep. We can't slumber. And the Holy Spirit tells us we must fight the fight of faith. Here's why. Ephesians 6 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Notice the intensity. He calls it a struggle. Notice who the enemy is not. Human beings. Notice who the true enemy is. Rulers. Authorities. Powers of darkness. Spiritual forces of evil. Now look, Satan is not omnipresent. That means he can't be everywhere at the same time. But listen, listen. When the Apostle John saw the multitudes that you could not number of angels around the throne of God. 
that same Apostle John said that Lucifer seduced and deceived one-third of heaven's armies to follow him. Satan is not omnipresent, but has enough dark princes around to cover every one of us. I will say that one more time for those who are thinking of taking the rest of the summer off from church. Satan can't be everywhere, but there are enough malevolent dark princes to cover every one of us. Arise, Lord King, for the enemy is come upon whose throne thou sittest, and full twenty thousand with them, and they have sworn by a great oath, Lord, to slay thee, ere this year be done. Even now they march toward you, as the north wind of winter for bitterness and haste. Jesus looked at Simon and said, Simon, Simon! Satan has asked permission to sift you like wheat. In last week's message, Echoes of the Dead, I mentioned the great sacrifice made to get this Bible to us. Martin Luther, the famous German reformer, wrote one of the great anthems of the church, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And a few of the lines in there talk about the intensity of the battle that is raging when he says, Our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. And the stained glass windows don't keep him out. Neither does the communion cup or the communion bread or a Bible that you carry in your hand. But a word in your heart standing on the foundation of this book gives you the only power on earth to fight such a malevolent foe. Nehemiah found out the enemy's intentions. Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. But you have an Excalibur. You have a powerful sword. In the legend of Arthur, Excalibur is described in these words. It is not a weapon forged in this world, but from another world. Excalibur dispelled darkness with flashes of lightning when Arthur raised it. How powerful is the word of God? Jesus cast demon spirits out of people simply with the words that came out of his mouth. He created all things out of no thing by the power of his spoken word. And the Hebrew writer says, the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any sharpest sword. And he's given his sword into your hand. Seize it. Seize it, because it's empowered by our King. This living Word has the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ in it. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power, in His mighty power. On earth there is no equal to Satan, 
but the power of Jesus in the Word, in His church, and in the hearts of His kingdom sons and daughters. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. When you and I live in the power of the book, and we live it and we speak it, we are living in the Lord's strength. We are living in the might of Jesus. We are called to be strong. We are not strong, but in His strength only. And we are called to be strong. We are not strong. We are called to be strong. We are not strong. We are called to be strong. Seize your sword. It's empowered by our King. I want you to see what I believe so strongly that the book says about us. When the power of this book becomes a sword in your hand, the enemy can never win. I want from the back to the front you to say these words out loud with me. Say them with me out loud. I want to hear you. For when the power of this book becomes a sword in your hand, the enemy can... Say it one more time. That sounded good. So how do you win? Answer, you have to know your weapon. You have to know your weapon. There's a scene in Saving Private Ryan when the, the, these trained soldiers are on the front line. They're not in boot camp. They're in the battle, and it's live or die. And one of the soldiers is laying on the ground with his rifle, and he's, and he's just terrified by the, the impending reality of what's happening, and he's just frozen. And, and, and one of the, the, the generals comes up and yells at him, Fire your weapon, soldier! Fire your weapon! You have to know it and use it. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when, not if, when, not if, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You know what that means? Listen. We have to be biblically sound and solid in order to be equipped to fight this war. Because all the pieces mentioned in the armor of God have a frame of reference from Scripture. And what that means is, you don't know how to put the belt of truth on if you don't know what the truth is. And the only way to know what the truth is is in this book. And I don't care if every American pastor gets up and starts changing what this book says. Don't go with them. Start your own church and stay in this book. Because this book is true if everyone gets seduced. If everyone becomes a liar. This is the truth. And men will come and go. But the word of the Lord will live forever. Amen. 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 See the underlined, or I'm sorry, see the highlighted yellow? Satan 
has influence in the life of everyone, including Assemblies of God, Catholic, Lutheran, Methodist, Independent Baptist, Codependent Baptist, No Dependent Baptist. <laughs> Satan has influence in the life of every pastor, pastor's wife, pastor's kid, board member, in any area where you're not in the war and those things highlighted in yellow. He already has influence there. And he doesn't want you to know it. Satan knows this book better than most believers do. And he can even twist it and use it against you. But if you know it, and you know the author, and you live in his spirit, the author can bring a now word that will never go against the written word. But a now word in this book that will never go against the written word. In the moment when the battle is coming, when the enemy launches a flaming missile at your mind and heart, and he can bring a word up to you. Because I want you to see it again, and I want you to say it again. The next slide. Say it with me. For when the power of this book becomes a sword in your hand, the enemy can never win. Ephesians 6 goes on to say this, in addition to all this, take up, that's my responsibility, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, your Excalibur, which is the Word of God. And it doesn't just mean the Scriptures. It means a living, organic, relational message that's alive in this book, never out of context of the written Word, but in the Spirit, abiding in the vine. You take that Word up in you, and it's the sword. It's the Excalibur in the war that you are in, whether you're fighting in it or not. And 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Every one of these things are part of the full armor of God. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the Lord's people. We have to do this. We have to take up the sword. We have to seize it. Why? Because King, the enemy, is coming. And he doesn't want you sitting on what he thinks is his throne. Amen. It's your throne, but he thinks it's his and full 20,000 with them were coming for Arthur, and they swore by a great oath that they were going to kill him by the end of the year. And they were marching toward him at that moment with the winds of winter bitterness and haste. Take up your sword. In light of being in a stealth operational attack by an enemy who hates you, Satanic archers shooting flames of lies and suggestions about you, about your friends, about people in your youth group. God's been doing an awesome work in your youth group. Guess what the devil wants? He wants you divided. He wants some dumb, stupid thing to crop up in your youth group so some of you think you can't come anymore. Wake up. Stand up. Fight the good fight. God isn't sending you into a youth group necessarily priority one so you can find a good-looking guy or girl. Grow up, guard up, 
be about God's work, stay in the kingdom of God, stay together, brother to brother, sister to sister, through life and in death. The war rages. I'm pointing them out. I'm pointing you out because I believe in you and the powerful, powerful destiny that he's placed on our church that you have to carry through. I love you. You know it, right? If you don't, I'll come down there and give you a kiss and I'll prove it. Josh will start here. We'll work down. He launches flaming missiles with hopes that they'll land in my soul and begin to burn, begin to sway the way I think and the way I feel and influence me. I have to take up the shield of faith. I don't have time in that moment to call Levi Lusco to drive across the country and stand and hold up his shield of faith over me. I don't have time to get Joyce Meyer on the phone. I don't have time to get your favorite and your best. Uh, Joel Houston or Joe Osteen or Joe whoever can't necessarily get to me and put it up in front of me. Ta-ta! Pastor Tim can't do it. Your brother can't do it. You have a shield. You have a sword. You hold it up. You can extinguish all the flaming missiles. I'm about ready to start preaching now. You saw, the, you saw the movie Braveheart. Those, those flames are coming. What do they do? They hold, those, they hold the, the shield up. You know what happens if it doesn't hit the shield? It hits your soul. It hits your mind, your will, your emotions. It hits your, your kid. It hits your family. How, how soon is it? I mean, are dark, evil spirits saying, well, we can't, we can't bother those five-year-olds because they're off limits. Honey, I'm getting nervous. We've gone to LOH three straight weeks in a row. Maybe we need a break. Satan will amen that every time. Wonder what he's doing while we're... You remember that scripture that says, ignore the devil and he'll flee from you? It says, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. How do you take up the shield of faith? Satan comes along, and he says, you know what? Darkness is light. I saw it on the view. Bitter is sweet. Bitter is sweet. And he throws it out there for you. And the way you take up the shield of faith is out of the, out of the words of your mouth, you say, I believe God's way is the right way. Not your suggestions, not your accusations about me or others. No, I'll follow my Lord's way. I'll remain faithful. I'm going to pick on you again. This is not a real scenario. I'm just making it up. You guys come to the move on uh, tonight or next Well, come tonight. Ain't nobody here. <laughs> next week, next week, and Josh is shooting basketball out there. And Bill Bauer comes over by. And he's got his mind on something. He's supposed to play that night, and he's thinking about he's got to hit the, you know, he's got the 12-bar the blues thing he's got to figure out, and it's in his head. So he walks right by Josh Thrasher, not intending to uh, ignore him. 
And as soon as he does, a flaming missile from the devil goes into Josh's head and says, Bill Bauer doesn't like you. You see, he just walked right past you. Now, if he really cares, see, you know why he doesn't like you? Because he doesn't think you're as cool as he is. You know who that is? That's them. Pastor Tim, I saw him get that coffee, and he walked right down the middle of the thing. And I was looking right at him. And you know what? He didn't stop and say hi to me. And you know what I think? He did it intentionally. (laughs) You know who that is? That's them. We just started a home group. I even baked brownies. I even even dusted the furniture. First time in six weeks. I even prayed about it and had a good lesson. And Mary Lou didn't come. And the devil says, you know why? Because she doesn't think you're a good teacher. You know who that is? What is he saying to you while you're ignoring him and not putting up the shield of faith? The helmet of salvation. You know what Jesus did when Satan came to him? Yeah, you've been hungry. 40 days. If you're really son of God, command these stones to be turned to bread. He said, it's written, man doesn't live by bread alone. He didn't say, hey, Satan, read this. Well, I've said that before. But he said it out of his mouth. When a word from the devil comes toward your heart, you got to engage and you got to speak out of your heart back with a word from God. The Apostle John says, I write to you, young men, because you're strong and the word of God lives in you and you've overcome the evil one. He doesn't say, I write to you, young men, because you're strong and your Bible is somewhere in your closet. It's not what it says. The enemy is coming for you. He's coming for your position. Your blood-bought Spirit-born, spirit-empowered position to reign with Christ victoriously in the now. The enemy's coming for your purity. Tempting your old nature and my old nature to indulge it, to party with it to get addicted to it again. He's coming for your power. He wants to weaken your influence and your faith and your prayer life. And he wants to neutralize you. Because people with the living spirit of God in them and the power of his word in them can establish kingdom foundations that have been removed by evil princes for generations. And so I challenge you, as God challenges me, not only to go on the defense, but go on the offense and attack him. Attack him. This nation and many believers, because we are weak, and we're malnourished when it comes to God's word, and we're divided as believers and denominations, and even in our city. Superficial koinonia is not koinonia. 
a spirit of bondage has become so normal in America, in the atmosphere, that we don't even know what it would be like to have a peace from God and a liberty of the Holy Spirit. It's like describing Narnia when the, they were under the influence of the white witch when he, Beaver, said, winter, it's, it's always winter and it's never Christmas because the white witch lives. You are to establish a different atmosphere. You and I are to establish a different environment in the domain of our church, in the domain of our city, in the domain of our nation on the attack. One writer commenting about Excalibur said, listen, although it is always described as a sort of power, that power is wielded in the best interests of the people of justice, not in self-interest of the king. I want you to say it one more time. Seize your sword, for when the power of this book... Will you say it one more time? I want you all to stand, please. Moses was about to be taken home to heaven. Listen up closely. Moses was about to be taken up into heaven. A generation had died in the wilderness, and they didn't make it in because they did not believe God's word. Their children were be given another chance. Why? Because God lives outside of space and time, and he isn't going anywhere. He's going to get his plan accomplished, but whole generations of people can miss it. And so God just waits on a next one. He's not going anywhere. He'll come when he wants to come. He'll let generations rot in unbelief and double-mindedness and carnality, and it only affects them. And God is waiting right now. The echoes of generations past who are gone on to their reward like Moses are looking down to this generation telling each one of us there is a remnant that's arising with another opportunity to seize their future by faith and make progress. But they need trained warriors seasoned men and women from battles of the past to lead and teach a new young generation how to fight for what belongs to them and the king and the kingdom of God. We are at a time when many warriors have gone on to their reward, but God isn't finished and the battle continues, but so does our opportunity. And with a new generation of multitudes, we can win and not lose. We can establish foundation stones again in America, in Western civilization, and across the globe. Victories won, faith rising, valor born, courage increasing, convictions established. Or will this generation be seduced, surrender? 
give up more ground, lose sons and daughters to the enemy. We are in a war and much of the church hasn't shown up yet. I'm not speaking, of, I'm speaking in general terms. Are you fighting? Are you fighting? There is a war going on. Are you sleeping? Jesus said, while good men slept, the enemy planted wickedness. Mom and dad, we're in a war. Do you have any doors of darkness open in your domain? Are your words out of your mouth unknowingly in agreement with the devil as he seeks to bring the toxicity of your generational lies that you've believed and place them on your kids so they'll believe them for another generation? Seize your sword. We're in a war. Are you ignoring the devil? What's he been doing while we're sleeping? I didn't bring this message out to create an overly obsession, obsessive attitude about the devil, but to sober us up and stir us up. I'm going to close with this. Martin Luther's song, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. Excalibur is described by Mallory's work in this way. King Arthur is attacked by King Lot and he's beaten. Arthur is beaten until he unleashes the power of the sword. And here's the account. Therewith King Lot smote down Arthur. With that, his four knights rescued him. Huh? When, you're, when your brother, your sister falls, the four knights of Arthur, because brother to brother in life and in death, all the swords pointed tips touching one another on the table. Everybody at the same place. The knights rescued him, sent him back on his horse. Arthur drew his sword Excalibur. And listen, it was so bright in his enemy's eyes that it gave light like 30 torches. And he put them back and slew many of them. Come on now. Come on now. Are you wounded? Are you beaten? Are you in a battle that's raising beyond your power and your ability to fight it by yourself? Here is a moment this morning in the presence of the Lord when His Spirit has been here today and we felt His comfort, we felt His drawing, we felt His power, and He is here today with angels looking in on these things, looking to empower each and every one of us. Even the weakest in the kingdom of God is stronger than the strongest demon. If you take Excalibur in your hand, if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God this morning, He will lift you up. 
We're going to pray for people that feel like they're in a moment of defeat. They're in a season of despair. We want to pray for you that the Lord will lift that yoke off of you. We can't deliver you from the battle, but we can deliver you from the defeat because the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they find safety. I want you, as this band begins to play, to run into the tower of the Lord and let's gather around and believe God for victory. For those that have fallen, for those who are weakened by the intensity of the war, you need strength. We're here to strengthen you. We're here to pray with you. We're here to get you back up on your horse. Put Excalibur back in your hand. And let's fight the good fight together. Would you do that? Come on. You ready? Be strong in the Lord. Let's get in the Lord's strength today. Let's pray one for another. In Jesus' name. I'm tired of